It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors, there are plenty of reasons to be skeptical about the Toronto Raptors' offense going into the new season, but on the other side of the ball, they seem to have quite a lot to work with and a new coach who just might change up the principles in a way that makes a lot of sense. We'll get into the Raptors' defense on today's show with Samson Folk of Raptors Republic. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it, so I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? And welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, October the 5th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now, going on 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter, at WoodleySean. If you're still using that website, you can also find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And of course, the place to be, the place to get my thoughts on the team and whatnot during games, during the preseason, is of course the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast come hang out we got over 200 sickos in there just like you talking ball it's i think gonna be a really cool place to be throughout the season so come hang out it's free to join and all that we got fantasy leagues booting up and all that so come hang out would love to see you in the discord uh today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started uh, as always you can find the show for free on your favorite podcast apps please go do that subscribe rate review tell a friend we're on youtube every day as well if you want to go catch the video version of the feed and look at my mug as well as the mugs of my better looking guests one of whom is on today's show it is samson folk of raptors republic uh just doing the lord's work already in the preseason digging into every single scotty barnes pick and roll and writing about it he is an essential cover on the toronto raptors and i'm thrilled to have him here samson uh, i'm sorry you're wearing a blue jays hat uh i think you're doing some sort of meta commentary or something uh but how are you buddy (laughs) doing good hanging in i did watch that game it was supremely disappointing but it's (laughs) It wasn't like last season. I know everybody kind of made this point. To the, maybe I'm belaboring it, but mm. the season itself had kind of a general malaise to it mm-hmm. that seeing them not score runs, you're just like, oh, I guess this was one of the more likely outcomes. And then they just didn't score runs. So mm-hmm. them's the breaks. Speaking of general malaise, I think you could uh, sort of apply that term to <laughs> the Toronto Raptors last season, and the hope is that that malaise will be lifted going into this year with new coach Darko Ryakovich and some new principles, a couple new faces, of course, uh, you know, plenty of weirdness hanging over the team still as it relates to its best player. Uh, you, of course, on Media Day were uh, doing a great job digging to the core of that whole conundrum and not getting a whole lot in the way of answers, uh, but with the lack of answers, I think we kind of got some answers. 
answers. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Pascal Siakam and Masai Ujiri and their weird stuff going on. We're here to talk about defense, baby. A thing that I feel like hasn't been talked about a whole lot as it relates to this team. It's been a lot of Darko ball, 0.5 offense. They're going to change the game. You know, Scotty's going to have the ball in his hands a bunch. And the offense, I think, has been the focus of a lot of the discourse around the team. I happen to be extremely bullish on this defense. And I wanted to get you on the show because you're smart. And you can either confirm or turn down my thoughts and all that good stuff. So... Samson, we're going to spend today diving into the defense, sort of what to expect when it comes to the changes we'll see from Nick Nurse ball to Darko Ryakovich ball. We'll dig into some of the individual players and sort of growth areas for these guys that might be pretty essential to what they want to do on defense. We'll talk about high-end and low-end outcomes, but let's get in first to sort of sizing up what this team is going to look like defensively. I asked Darko on Media Day about whether or not there will be any sort of changes from the very aggressive style of defense over the last couple of seasons, which I think most people got pretty tired of by the end, including the players themselves on account of it being a very difficult style of defense to run for 48 minutes over 82 games. Uh, you know, a lot of just depending on length and precision and closeouts to overcome extra help and all this stuff. We know the deal. We've talked about the nurse defense for ages. What are you hoping to see? Darko talked a lot about defending the paint, you know, cut, shutting down corner three, something the Raptors did not do very well last season at all. We can get into some of those numbers, but what are you hoping to see, I guess, before we dive into what we will see uh, from this Raptors defense going into 2023-24? I think the most encouraging thing that we saw collectively was that this already happened to some degree. Yeah. You know, personnel drives success more than coaching does. There's a reason why player contracts are exorbitant and coaches make great money of course too but teams spend their money on the court typically and last season after Pirtle arrived the Raptors did undergo some changes of course they didn't completely abandon that strong side help but they were able to you know limit a lot more of those corner threes that they were giving up they completely took away the paint and those two tenets are going to be very strong aspects of Darko's defense self-professed and we've already seen the Raptors succeed at it. They were fifth, I think, in defensive rating since Jakob came over last season. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I'm sure Fred, as far as off-ball defense from a guard, had a nice stretch, you know, once Jakob was there. But losing Fred and instead putting, for example, Gary Trent into the starting lineup instead of him, if you're saying who knows how that works offensively, it might not work that well offensively. In fact, last year it was in the 1th percentile for points per possession. But the 97th percentile as a defense, those guys got a lot of stops. They closed out possessions. They didn't foul. And even there was a weird thing that happened with the Raptors' no point guard lineups last season was that they gave up a really high percentage of threes, like 43 or 44%. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that sustainable? It's weird luck. Probably, yeah. probably not. I think that's... The same way that when the Raptors were riding high in the early Nurse era, they had this weird variance where they really did affect three-point percentages. I think that was, you know, to some degree variance and was overstated a little bit. So there's things that were out of their control that went poorly. But as far as like what this team initially can control and has shown they can do, all indicators point towards, you know, this team is going to be ex exceptional defensively and do it in a different way than the first 60% of last season and all of the year before and, well, actually a few years. And um, <laughs> the most important thing is that Darko is hitting the right notes, you know. Yeah. He's not looking at what they did to close out the season and saying, 
Well, I have different ideas, actually. He's he's kind of hammering like, well, they were fifth. Seems mm -hmm. like a good blueprint to follow, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, having a traditional rim-protecting center on your team turns out makes playing defense in a normal fashion a whole lot easier. Um, you know, they did get a little bit of shooting luck help, I think, down the stretch. Just kind of digging into some of the numbers. Um, you know, over the course of last season, they were number 23 per cleaning the glass in rim attempts allowed, 29th in corner attempts allowed, as just as a percentage of shots. Not great. Uh, they were 19th in defensive field goal percentage allowed at the rim. And, you know, they got kind of burned on corner threes allowed 39.5%, which was in the bottom 10 of the league as well. After the act trade, you know, they get a little better in rim attempts allowed, 20th uh, up, for, you know, down from 23rd or up from 23rd, however direction we're looking at this. Uh, 21st in corner three attempts allowed, you know, improved from 29th. So, like, small incremental growth there. Still not amazing, but definitely some steps taken forward. They did get lucky, though. They had the fourth best corner three-point uh, percentage allowed after the trade at 35%. Like, I don't know. That's a little lucky, I would say. And they kind of got helped there a tad. Um, but the general principle is they played a more sort of normal, sound, conservative style of defense with still some of those help principles of the nurse ethos in there and had better results. And that is, I think, encouraging coming into this season, where I'd argue... The defensive talent on this roster is probably better than it was last year, right? I think, you know, Fred Van Vliet, as incredible an off-ball defender as he is, as great at the dig downs with those iron fists that he is, he really fell off as a point of attack defender. I think Dennis Schroeder, that's really the thing he kind of brings that he might be best at is the point of attack defense. He can slither, you know, get over screens, all that type of stuff. Um, really, really good defender overall. You have Jalen McDaniels coming in, who that's kind of his whole thing is he brings defense to the table. Um, and, I, you know, another year of Jakob Pertl kind of getting instilled. I think the defensive talent overall, if Otto Porter Jr. can play, that helps matters too. Um, this feels like a better overall defensive team top to bottom. And... You know, we'll get into some individual guys who I think their, you know, micro skills on defense are going to become very important here. But uh, to me, this seems like a team with enough defensive talent top to bottom. And as far as like changes from last year to this year, the thing I'm hoping to see is they just kind of trust that talent, right? It felt like last year, the way they played defense before the act trade was so... You know, yes, they needed to in some ways because of their lack of true rim protection and all that, but also it just felt like kind of a hat on a hat. It's like you have OG Ananobi, you have Precious Achua, you have uh, really good on-ball defensive players. Why are you sending all this extra help when maybe it's not all that necessary and getting you know ruined by a barrage of role-player corner threes? Is that something you think you kind of feel good about them just sort of trusting in the elite defensive talent on this roster and letting dudes just kind of square up one-on-one -on -one or, you know, kind of avoid those extra help situations when maybe it's not all that necessary? That's that's an interesting thing about NBA defense is when you have a lot of variance from, you know, your one, two, and three high-volume point-of-attack defenders is like you have to, as a team have these defensive principles that you enact and you follow through. Mm -hmm. um, it gets a lot more specific in the playoffs, but especially your base packages during the regular season, it's like if OG Ananobi is on ball, you can reasonably expect not only is he going to be able to kind of like press a guy up court, bother the dribble, slide with him, and keep him from – like you can play no middle defense with just OG. But if it's Scotty at the point of attack, you know, that help at the nail has to come quicker – Typically, it's coming more often. And in a regular season scheme, do you really enact that stuff? Or do you just say, like, we're going to help kind of liberally? And that's what I'm interested maybe. That's what I think is the swing thing. Because the Raptors, they might not have a ton of stickiness at the point of attack 
in their starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And because, it, you know, a lot of teams have two guards who can put the ball on the floor. And one of those guards presumably will be blanketed by OG Ananobi. Uh, one of them presumably will be guarded. I'm I'm pretty sure that Dennis is coming off the bench. So I feel, I guess we'll see. But I think whether it's Dennis. It, it all or, points to that being the right call. Yeah. But you know, we'll relitigate that many times between now and the start of the season, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> and Gary, I think you can expect a decent amount of not necessarily blow buys or anything, but he's going to get beat off the bounce as well. I am really interested to see if they really treat Jakob like we funnel to this guy. Like we close in and we have like a lot of length at the nail. We have big guys everywhere. So like the weak side zones of the court will be, you know, better. We can still get a lot of turnovers with length. We close out possessions. We run off of rebounds and steals. Like all that stuff should stick and be pretty easy. I just wonder how much they look to funnel and how much they look to rotate. And those two things are fairly different, and we don't really know that yet. And I think that's how well that goes could make it from like, oh, this is a, a top 12 defense that is pretty disappointing because like considering their defensive talent versus, you know, maybe hitting the roof where it's like a top three defense. They certainly have the talent on the roster and the size. Size in the regular season for defense is a super big deal. And so that's the biggest swing factor I think I'm going for. But OG himself, obviously, is one of the best point-of-attack defenders in the league. So they're very lucky there. No doubt. Uh, We'll come back on the other side. I want to get into Scotty Barnes individually because I think his growth or lack of growth as a defender is going to have a whole lot to say about how good this defense can be, whether it is that top 12 or top 3 defense you just kind of laid out Uh, I also want to get into the relationship between the defense and the offense of course the last couple seasons the defense has been a driver of the offense and they've kind of hunted steals by design and with intention we'll get into that and whether or not that could affect the overall potency of the offense if they're going to be more conservative this year coming up in just a sec before we do that however got to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. You got to go check them out right now because right now is the best time to get in on the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 200 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. And it's not just football, of course. You've got your weekly games both in college and in the NFL, but you've got the WNBA finals. You've got the, of course, NBA season starting up. You want to do some futures bets, things like that. NHL season, the MLB playoffs are going on. I think, I don't know, I'm not watching any more of the baseball playoffs now that the Blue Jays are out because that's how sour I am right now. Either way, go to FanDuel right now. You can do spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. 
Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, we continue on here, Samson Folk, along from Raptors Republic. Be sure to go check out all the great stuff over at Raptors Republic. Pay for it, would you? Support really good coverage of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I think I have to renew my subscription, by the way. Don't tell anybody, but uh, <laughs> I got to get in there. Um, either way, everyone, uh, you know, we'll, we'll you know keep on. What? I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Go listen to the shows earlier this week. That was one. I was going to say that we had lots of shows this week. Go check them out. Talked yesterday about the pathway to overachieving for this team. That's the the track I was trying to get back on. Let's get into the track that we're still on today. The defense, boy, I'm too. I'm bad at podcasting. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk about Scotty Barnes. Um, I, I think you know there's a lot of focus on his growth as an offensive player. Can he kind of tap back into some of the mid range potency? He looked like he might be flashing as a rookie. Can he refine himself as a lead ball handler? All that. I think the defense matters quite a bit with him too, right? And I think uh, this has kind of been my thing with Scotty is he's not had great results defensively. He's had moments where it's looked really nice, mostly as like a low man, you know, sort of like a help rim protector, rover type guy. On the ball, it's been a pretty grim scene for much of his two years as an NBA player. And my thing there is I've always felt like it's more errors of commission, like just trying too hard and getting too cute with it and getting too up into guys' shirts instead of just trusting the fact that he's six foot eleven or whatever he claims to be now with an enormous wingspan and not really leaning on that to help him in his defensive coverages and whatnot. I, I'm curious, Samson, are you optimistic on Scotty kind of figuring out the finer points of defense of maybe kind of reining things in a little bit and just sort of letting that length work. I mean, obviously you mentioned size is huge in the regular season. There are times where, you know, you can throw a, a big sort of rangy wing on a guard and could totally neutralize them and change the course of a game. Ask Trey young and how yeah. precious Achua and OG Ananobi have guarded him in the past. I think Scotty has all the tools do you think he, you know, obviously there's like metaphysical stuff here, you know, does he have the hips to slide and all this stuff, but where are you at with Scotty and his potential to kind of tap into more on the defensive end? Because if he's going to be the lead ball handler in a lot of these situations, you would assume, you know, Gary Trent Jr. will get some run against opposing guards, but you'd assume Scotty's going to get that job a whole lot as well. It's just going to necessitate, be necessitated by the fact that he's out there with the guys he's presumably going to be starting with. Where are you at as far as your optimism level for Scotty of sort of figuring things out defensively in a way he hasn't quite as an on-ball guy in recent years? Yeah, I'm very interested for it. I hope that Pascal Siakam is higher on the checklist for like put a guy on a guard, especially right. since Siakam is much better at screen navigation. Sure. Um, and, and Scotty, I think, is just as well as a, you know, Maybe not quite where Siakam is. He's so much younger. He hasn't been in the league as long as a help side. But um, I think people would be really encouraged by Scotty's defense if there wasn't like a slew of snake oil sales immediately upon being drafted. Everyone's like, oh, this is a one through five defender. Every right. scout I talked to was like, that's completely unreasonable. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who like should do well guarding the big slower guards like DeMar DeRozan. Like sure. that's a good matchup for Scotty. Um, I think DeMar has had pretty good games, but as far as like in the hypotheticals, this is the type of guy you should do well with against other wings, like hold his own in a pinch. You're playing for, obviously we've seen him play possessions at the five. You referenced like, Hey, you're the little man in this game, clean the glass, make your presence known, like make that step to the drive. Every time they come in, all that stuff is improving slowly. 
there's a reason that the Raptors have won their defensive minutes with him on the court for two years in a row now, and a pretty big jump from year one to year two. Um, not completely in the realm of like, it's so overwhelming that you start looking for the things that you think you don't understand. How does this guy win so many minutes? But it's just, we talked about it. Size is like a super big deal. Mm-hmm. And Scotty, there's people that are court mapping, right? They have a really great awareness of where everybody is on the court, how they're moving, what direction they're going, and how to kind of plug themselves into that to help on offense or defense. Scotty recognizes that on both ends of the floor. And the biggest, Scotty makes big mistakes on defense. You know, uh, during the rookie season, a lot of it was like just not, no peel. If he was supposed to next, for example, like they're running next to the point of attack, like he just doesn't make that rotation. And the guy starts moving over to his check and there's a guy coming straight down the lane. He's Mm -hmm. a rookie, you know? And also because, as you said, these errors of commission, not omission, is that Scotty is thinks he's guarding the starting point guard for Gardner Webb University instead of like <laughs> De'Aaron Fox, right? Yeah. There's he can't stick with most guards in the NBA. At the end of a possession, really aggressive defense, provided you're not fouling a jump shot, is really good because you can pressure dribble and try and force passes, particularly long ones, to create, you know, these turnovers to run out on, which we'll obviously talk about. All that stuff is really good it's just early in the clock scotty making these decisions as a defender that sends guys downhill and puts the defense in rotation with a lot of clock to churn so they can do side top side action so they can swing and kick and punch and like punch gaps it's all it's it's not good he doesn't have a ton of success at the point of attack and i don't think he will with the types of guys that he's professed and said he likes and enjoys guarding. I don't think that's going to be a huge deal. But that doesn't mean he's not a positive defender. That doesn't mean he can't do it in a pinch at the back end of the shot clock. That doesn't mean he can't grow into like a very effective nail defender. He like he cares about defense, which is a big deal. That's a sure. lot of the battle, especially when you have such, you know, overwhelming physical tools. He cares and he understands defense, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and a big thing too is like does he help out on the glass when he sticks an arm in there? Does it, is it meaningful to somebody? Like, is he a toothless help defender? No, there's teeth, you know, you mm-hmm. can feel it. There's a bite there. Is he somebody who will help out on the glass? Yes. Is he somebody who has versatility? It's been overrated so far in his career, but like, and by the Raptors in general, overrating like versatility, that isn't versatility. Um, <laughs> It, it's it's a bunch of really great indicators, and that's what really drives it. And especially like doing the Al Horford thing would be what really takes him to the next level, which, where it's like, oh, I take one step where most guys take two steps because I read the four really well, and I'm beating guys to spots with like proficiency. Scotty is a guy who his basketball brain is all about proficiency. Like he's he finds the shortest route to success all the time with the ball. And I'd love to see him do it a little more often defensively, I guess I would say. So there's really good stuff. It's just, I don't think it's as like the sticky, you know, OG Ananobi model who's like blowing stuff up at the point of attack. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting point about Pascal maybe getting the call as like a, a guard defender over Scotty. I, you know, I hadn't really even considered that. Frankly. It's like, well, you know, those games yeah. where he like he guarded Kyrie last year. Yeah. And like if it's Luke Kennard, for example, 
you need to be slinky around screens for these guard shooters. Pascal sure. is they they send him out there, right? Yeah. He's the guy who guarded Russell Westbrook and John Wall back in yeah. the, the bench mob days. It's a very good point. Yeah, the John Wall days, boy. That was, <laughs> that was a sweet series. Just OG and Siakam lock it up. Beal and Wall, glorious stuff. Uh, is there another guy on the? I mean, we talked about Gary a little bit. I'm, I'm a little unsold on the whole Gary experience defensively. If he's not being asked to go hawk steals, because that was kind of the only way he offered value to the defense. Um, again, there's going to be maybe they just hide him on like the the low usage dude in the corner. But I, I do wonder, like he's going to have moments where he has to guard slippery guards at some point this season just like with the lack of guard depth this team has like he's just gonna have that duty at some point what's your like belief in the capacity for guys to like learn how to be better at guarding on the ball like sometimes it's a physical thing right like i don't think gary is like the most spry dude going left to right i don't think he's got the sort of wiggle to stick with slippery guards like i I'm a little concerned that that could kind of be the weak point, but maybe I'm underrating the ability for people to change. Can people change, Samson? <laughs> uh, people can change and apply themselves to more success. They can apply themselves to schemes. Um, Gary's defense is what lost him money down the stretch. Like it's yeah. a little bit of injury, tough luck. Uh, he couldn't make it. He couldn't get onto the floor with the Raptors as often as he was because they had been like, Oh, well, we found offense with Yak and Fred in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. We're, we're on a good run right now. We don't need to, to put, you know, Gary shooting in the offense every game. And that that was a tough thing for him. And it was because they didn't want to risk the defense. I, I do wonder, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying at the start, is like, what are the principles throughout the regular season? If it is a guy like Gary and you say, you know, are you just going to suddenly start being like a lockdown, really sticky, super spry point of attack defender? Probably not. But if you're aware of the scheme, you know you're funneling. Do you do some things maybe on the periphery, taking advantage of like the kinetic movement, like peel switching and nexting, where if you get beat, fine, you're beat. Guys get beat. It's mm-hmm. more about like your efficiency and proficiency and knowing I did get beat and already rotating over to the next man so that there isn't an advantage when your help side comes to the ball handler and that ball handler has to make has to move the ball on like that's where you make up for those types of things of course it's not as good as like og just saying like you're gonna shoot less shots tonight and nobody's gonna need you to help me and you probably won't shoot a good percentage that's superhero stuff of course (laughs) but awareness of scheme i think could really help gary but truthfully, I, I can't say like how proficient he'll be without or taking a good guess at it, an educated one, without knowing how hard the Raptors lean into those principles, yeah. which you and I will, I'm sure, ask more about. We're obviously not at training camp, but with the preseason and practice and all that kind of stuff, I guess we'll see. And then brass tacks, they're going to play games. We'll yeah. be able to sit down the little podcast truffle piggies that we are and talk <laughs> about this stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, well said. We're going to come back on the other side. I, I want to get into the relationship between the defense and the offense, uh, as we kind of alluded to before. Uh, Darko Ryakovich said something when I asked him about his, the defense this season, kind of hinting at what he thinks is like a league-wide trend of teams crashing the offensive glass more. Obviously, he comes from the Memphis school of thought, which crashing the offensive glass 
a thing they like to do, similar to the Toronto Raptors, of course, under Nick Nurse, and stands to reason. You can get easy points when you crash the offensive glass. We will get into how the Raptors will navigate that and whether that will neutralize their transition defense a little bit if they're not going and sort of uber running off of misses. We'll get into that in just a sec. But first... Got to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs who make the most comfortable shorts you're ever going to wear. I have Bird Dog shorts. I have a couple pairs. They're super comfortable. I like to wear them when I'm going for like a nice brisk walk or, you know, getting a little bit of a sweat on. But they're good for any occasion. You can take them on a date. You can go to the gym. You can go to the bar and you're going to look like you're at the right level of dress for whatever the function is. My dad has a pair of the shorts that they sent me and he loves them. They're his favorite shorts. And I have a pair of the jogger pants too. They're super comfortable. And the thing about Bird Dogs is they've revolutionized underwear. They make it so you don't have to wear any. What a wonderful thing. They have a built-in comfort lining that is just so, so comfortable. It's all part of the pants, and it takes out the need for extra layers of stuff. When you're not trying to wear extra layers of stuff, go check out Bird Dogs. I can't recommend their products enough. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA and enter the promo code LockedOnNBA. Check out for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said done all right rounding things out here samson folk a man known to wear a short pretty uh pretty well uh <laughs> the fits man on instagram uh of course find all of samson's work over at raptors republic it's fantastic stuff uh let's keep on talking defense and defense to offense as i mentioned darko ryakovic when answering my question about the defense on media day dug into you know obviously protect the rim get rid of corner threes that was, you know, refreshing to hear on its own after, uh, you know, Nick Nurse maybe didn't prioritize that for much of his tenure in Toronto. Um, and then, of course, the other thing he mentioned was crashing the defensive glass and really kind of cleaning up there and making sure that they're prepared for what he sees as a potential league-wide trend of teams skewing further towards crashing the offensive glass for easy points. The Raptors, by the way, were really good at cleaning up the defensive glass after the Yakup Pirtle trade. Like, top five in the league in terms of uh, points allowed per miss and points allowed per play per cleaning the glass. Really, really good. Uh, you would assume, with the size they have, that that should be a strength they bring to the table once again. Yakup Pirtle's an excellent, excellent rebounder, um, and, and we know what everyone else can do there. I'm curious, though, we, we saw last year such a big driver of the Raptors offense with their half-court offense being so anemic was they had to get steals, had to get on the run. And this is why they emboldened Gary to be so, uh, you know, gamble forward and, you know, all this type of stuff. Do you envision problems with maybe a renewed focus on cleaning the defensive glass maybe kind of bleeding into the offense a little bit and kind of dragging down the efficiency. We know the half-court offense was really bad for the team last year. Frankly, their transition efficiency was also bad. They just had volume to kind of make up for it. Um, and But their transition did kind of save their offensive rating a little bit, if that's something you care about. Um, does this feel like a concern for you? Like, Or is there like maybe enough to be squeezed out of the Darko Ball version of the half-court offense, which I think we're both still pretty... 
wait and see on as far as if it's going to turn in better results than recent seasons. Um, like, what do you, how do you kind of view the relationship between the defense and the offense this season if they are, in fact, going to play more of a sort of conservative style and, you know, really kind of prioritize cleaning up the defensive glass? I honestly think they'll probably get out and run as much or more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this Raptors team when you think about like transition it's live push aheads like with with scotty a lot of the time it, it was those spray passes up the court but scotty wasn't all like wasn't that often the guy directing what happens in transition hmm. and this is where maybe some of the efficiency was like not super easy to come by but they push with the live dribble they have these big you know, it won't be Fred or Gary pushing that often in transition. So yeah. you can't leave one guy at the rim. What's going to happen probably is that they're going to push with live dribbles, do it less with the pass from the backcourt. They're going to pass once they reach the front court, and one of their big wings forces a guy or a second guy to step up. And it's going to be about filling the lanes, you know, at the hash mark, the 45 and the corner, which the Raptors weren't that proficient in last season. But I think that they can prioritize defensive rebounding and transition because they're not necessarily, you know, you, you can get transition off of rebounds. Yeah. You know? it, it's yeah. not just the steals. Um, maybe it dips a bit, I guess. But I don't know. You hear, you talk to the players and these guys are like, oh, yeah, we're playing fast. Everybody says they're going to play fast. Everybody says they're going to play perfect basketball. I get it. They're apparently running the UCLA 1971 offense with Yaka Pirtle, from what I'm hearing. Like, we have no idea, really. A lot of it is lip service. Mm-hmm. But given the personnel on the roster and the fact that they push with live dribble so much, I still think they're going to try and lean really, really hard into it. And um, if this season is about how buy-in with a coach helps you achieve a higher outcome, even though you still have personnel that points you towards us, you know, a specific style of play buy-in is supposed to most easily correlate with better rebounding and more like, Oh, I care so much about this game. I'll run, I'll fill the lane. I'll play my role and two effort aspects of the game, the rebounding and transition. Um, if you can navigate like, hey, we play more conservative in, in some sense, but we don't let it dip because we care so much. We try so hard for our coach, you know, run through a wall for that guy. I think those are the two aspects of the game that it would be easiest to show up in if you were the optimist, you know? Yeah, I'm actually with you, too. I think running off of rebounds will be easier for this team than some like Fred Van Vliet brought a lot to this team and they're going to miss his pull-up shooting and a lot of the things he brings to the table they will not miss his transition operation I don't think that was really the downside of what he was doing and a lot of Gary Trent Jr. just kind of dribbling into nothing as well I think with the number of guys they have who can kind of grab and go and just sort of quickly get into that transition game I do think if you've got Yak back there sort of as like your your rebound vacuum, you have, you know, a couple guys sort of chipping in there with the sort of well-timed box outs to sort of clear the way. I, I do I do think there's going to be an avenue there to sort of turn those boards into quick outlet opportunities for sure. I, I think, you know, we'll probably see less in terms of just like a wide open, you know, you pick up a steal and you go and dunk type of thing because, you know, they really, like, it was like such an enormous part of their offense. It's kind of crazy. Um, and so it'll be a different style of that. But I do think it will you know the sort of grand scheme of 
sort of compromising some of those extra steals. Like, I don't think they're going to lead the league in steals again, necessarily, right? Like, and they led by, like, a mile. Like, I don't think we're going to see that. But the trade-off is a defense that, A, probably taxes your guys less. B, you know, if you're forcing misses with your, your just incredible length, like, you're still going to get that that sort of turn of possession without it going in the hole, right? And I think that yeah. is um, sort of the the more important thing when it comes to driving a transition game. Hey, like, give me some yak outlet passes. I'm cool with that. Like, <laughs> I think... Uh, you know, how, how do you weaponize a team that has a whole lot of passing at weird, unconventional positions? That could be one of them, right? And I think uh, I, I'm pretty excited about how they can kind of parlay this defense into better offense. Because I remain pretty skeptical about the half court. As much as everyone's very excited about Darko Ball, I think, uh, you know, the personnel, to your point off the very top of the show, the personnel is going to dictate success more than coaching. Um, quick, like... For this defense, they sort of guess, you know, obviously you're just putting you on the spot here. You got to do it. It's a podcast. We got to get like hot takey and have declarative mm-hmm. statements. What do you envision as sort of like the high and low end outcome for this team? Like everything goes wonderfully. Uh, maybe we said that 12th, third, third, like that feels like kind of the range. So where, where do you actually expect them to kind of end up? Are you sort of more on the bullish end? Do you think this is a team that can kind of set a pretty high floor for itself by being in that top five range? Do you think, um, you know, maybe it's something where it's going to take more time than we want to see, and it might be a bit of a slower adjustment? Where are you at as far as the overall um, sort of how this defense nets out? I think they, there's two outcomes in my mind. There's the, they play really good defense and the offense is better than expected. Now, better than expected could just be like, 24th in half court right um and if the offense is even 24th in half court i think that they'll kind of be kicking the tires on maybe being a playoff team and that means that they're going to care throughout the full season there's no shakeup or anything like that i think they would finish fourth defensively okay. yeah if the offense is completely untenable i think that something happens that at the end of the season they're like eighth or ninth yeah this is the optimistic stance yeah yeah, I would love to watch them play really good defense for a full year, not bits and pieces, which is the past couple seasons. Eight minute stretches of it's all working. This is this is the <laughs> utopia. It's been discovered. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for perhaps a little what's, less. Uh, what's that short story? It's like there's a utopian society, but in the middle of it, there's like a small child who's been, you know, enslaved and imprisoned. And then his imprisonment is what allows through some, you know, magic. Um, his imprisonment is what allows for the utopia. That's like the minutes per game is like, you guys are crazy, you know, is the kid. And, you know, can they achieve the utopia without killing everybody, you know, all the time? I guess I guess we'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll leave on that literary note. I was <laughs> going to ask you about Christian Coloco, but we could talk about that at another time. Uh, not having him might hurt those uh, bench lineups, of course. He was like instant 90 defensive rating when he stepped on the floor last year, <laughs> yeah. which was pretty fun. Um, but we can examine that another time. Samson, thanks so much for hanging out, man. This is great. Uh, as always, you make the show smarter, and I appreciate that deeply. Do you have anything you want to promote for the good people out there? I know you do. Uh, just Raptors Republic, the it's an important part of the Raptors media landscape. We we're trying to bump up the subscribers this year. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the paywall stuff is mine and Lewis is writing. And if you want to know the analysis of how the Raptors succeed and fail at things last year, if you were subscribed, you would have known everything you needed to know. You will know everything you need to know this season. Um, so just subscribe over there. We're proud of our work and that's the pitch, I suppose.
You should be, because it's great. Everyone, go subscribe to Raptors Republic uh, and read all the wonderful writers over there. Our pal Jamar Hines, who's on the show every other week, is uh, the game recap king over there. So go support. Uh, You can find me, at Woodley Sean, on Twitter. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the show for free, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. Get those little notifications so you never miss an episode. Uh, We'll be, of course, daily all the way through the entire NBA season. Probably a little more this year in terms of, like, quick game recap stuff as well. Uh, as things are happening, just to sort of give you a little extra content too, you know, we, again, we're all the little, little truffle piggies at the trough and, uh, we're just trying to make sure that trough is stocked with that sweet, sweet content. Um, but with that, we will leave it for today. We'll be back again tomorrow, hopefully to talk about Toronto WNBA expansion. Fingers crossed. We'll see with Chelsea late. Uh, if not, we'll have Chelsea on it. It'll be awesome anyway, but Fingers crossed on the WNBA expansion. There's some whispers, whispers as we record here today. So we'll see. But either way, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you Friday. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.